How's everybody today? So great to see all of you today. Let me welcome our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm grateful that you're with us today, whatever location you're at. We believe that God has a word for you, so as we go into the Word of God here, we believe God's going to speak to you there as well, and we welcome you today to Love and Truth Church. A few weeks ago, I began a series with us called Be Bold out of First Chronicles. So would you take your Bibles or whatever you have uh, the Word of God downloaded on and go to First Chronicles, the fourth chapter, and we're going to read. In fact, let's just do that right now. I want to read to you First Chronicles chapter 4 uh, and verse 9 and 10. I'm reading out the New King James Version of the Bible. And it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. We talked the first week about how that his name literally means pain. So uh, let's read verse 10 that way. And pain called on the, on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And the last sentence is one of the greatest sentences I believe in Scripture. So God granted him what he requested. And we began talking about this whole aspect of being bold and how that so often as Christians we live timid and meek, quiet, hidden away lives, and yet God has called us to be bold, to to go forward uh, with joy, to go forward with anointing, to go forward with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We talked the first week uh, in this whole subject of Jabez and how that he prayed, God, uh, I want you, Lord, uh, to, in, to, to bless me indeed. He, in fact, he, he didn't say, Lord, I want a little blessing. He said, God, I want a what? A humongous blessing, right? I want you to bless me indeed. And we talked about that that word bless there literally means to be favored. It means unfair partiality. Uh, and, and I told you that first week, it's not really, uh, you know, the great grammar for all of you English majors, uh, but I told you that favor ain't fair. That in your life, you've got to find out that when you move into the favor of God, that there are those moments that, that it seems like you're better than you really are. Things happen uh, on your behalf in ways that they seemingly wouldn't have otherwise because the favor or the blessing of God Almighty is on your life. Last week, we talked about the part of the verse there and the prayer that says, Lord, enlarge my territory. And I've told you, what I want you to do is I want you to pray this prayer. Now, I don't mean that I want you to say, uh, Lord, I just want you to bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. Your hand will be upon me and keep me from evil that I don't cause pain. Amen. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, and that's why I've taken uh, so long uh, to develop this over the past few weeks, we're talking about each and every part of this prayer that Jabez prays has a portion uh, of something to do with us. And so Jabez said, Lord, that you would enlarge my territory. And we talked about how how that enlarging the territory uh, was was spiritually, it it was physically, it was financially, it was in every area of his life that he was asking to be enlarged and that you and I have to come to that place that we understand that when God enlarges our territory that we better get ready because we're getting ready to go through some change right now today uh, we're we're just going to continue on with that where the word of God says uh, he says that you would enlarge my territory and then he says Lord that you would put your hand or place your hand upon me 
Have you ever, maybe when your children were smaller, uh, that, that you just prayed over them and said, Lord, I pray today you just keep your hand upon my children. Ever, ever done that? Uh, I, I think it's a good prayer to pray. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, we pray things or we say things that we really don't even know what it means. It, it just, you know, how, how many of you know some things just sound good? They sound religious, you know, uh, but, but we really don't know what it means. Well, uh, this passage uh, of Scripture where it talks about, Lord, that your hand would be upon me has a real significance when you begin to study Scripture. Uh, in fact, let me just share one of those verses or a couple of verses with you out of the book of Joshua. The, the Word of God tells us in the book of Joshua, God, God speaks, or, or Joshua speaking about God says, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. And then he goes on to say, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed. So he's saying, okay, God dried up the Jordan and he dried up the Red Sea. Now the 24th verse kind of gives us this understanding. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is what? powerful the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God now let me let me explain this to you when you read in Scripture where Jabez is praying or anybody else is praying God let your hand be upon me what we are asking for is we are saying God we want your power in our lives when you read in Scripture what you find is is that God's hand refers to his power now, I don't know about you, but I'm like Tim Allen from that old TV show. I want more power, right? I, I, I want more. What, whatever amount I've got at this point, I want more. I want God to give me more. I want God to bring more into my life and to pour more out day in and day out. Now, he, here's, here's why Jabez is praying this. Jabez isn't just saying, I want power so I can be powerful. Jabez prays for God's power to come into his life so that he could fulfill God's purpose in his life. Now, let me tell you something. Every one of us, God has given a purpose to. You're not an accident. I don't care what anybody tells you. God destined your life. God preordained your days. Uh, he told Jeremiah, he said, while you were still yet in your mother's womb, I knew you and I formed you and I knew your days. He knows everything about us from the day that we are born until the day we die, God has it laid out. And so what we have to come to is to that place of saying, you know what? I want to live my life fulfilling the purpose of God. A few, couple of three, four, five, six, now seven years ago, Rick Warren wrote a book uh, about a, a purpose-driven, purpose-filled life, and it, and it became uh, the number one bestseller for like two years in a row. Everybody was wanting to find out what their purpose in life was and, and, and how to live that out. Well, I want to tell you, you can know what your purpose is, but if you don't have power, you can't live it out. So you've got to have not only purpose, I've got to know what God has called me to do, but now I've got to also live with the power of God in my life. Now I want to tell you something. When you ask for the hand of God to be upon you, and when Jabez asked that in this passage, he's not asking that just so life will be easy. Well, I just hope God's hand's on me so I don't have any more problem. No, he's asking, and I think we should ask, Lord, I want your hand upon me so that I can fulfill the mandate that you've placed on my life. What is it God has called you to do? 
Do, do you know what? Each and every one of us are made differently. There's, there's no two of us exactly alike, even identical twins. There's differences about us. And yet, God says, I've got a purpose. I've got a destiny for your life. But we've got to come to that place where we live in the power of God. Where day in and day out, the power of the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you believe that if Jabez asked for the power of God, that the Scripture says God gave it to him, right? God granted him his request. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that if you ask for God to give you his power today, that he would do that? Do you believe that? You know what? Listen, Jabez is dwelling under what we refer to as the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. And it's limited. They're all kind of, we live in a new covenant in the New Testament. Jesus Christ, the Bible says it this way. It says all the promises are yes and amen. That word amen just means so be it. All the promises are yes and so be it in Jesus so you and I have been given this power. We, we've been given power in our lives. We get saved and thank God for salvation, but the Word of God lets us know that there's something even subsequent to salvation that happens into our lives, and that's when the power of God comes. Uh, the book of Acts, the first chapter, I'm sure you've read it at times. The first chapter is where Jesus gathers uh, with the disciples and, and the multitude there before his ascension. And, and the Word of God says they begin to ask him different questions. They begin to quiz him about different things. And then the, the Word of God says they ask him about when the return, he was going to return and all this. And he said some of these things you don't know and you're not going to know. Only my Father in heaven knows. But, but he did say to them in Acts 1 and 8, listen to what he said. But he said to them, he said, you shall receive power. The word power is dunamis. You shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God says to us, listen to me this morning, God says to us that when you come into relationship with him, he's got some gifts that he wants to give you, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, he wants to pour it out upon you so that when it comes into your life, although you have been saved, now you are endued with power from on high. Now, I want to tell you something. I love living for Jesus, but I love living the overcoming life for Jesus. Amen? I don't like being defeated and always having to go to the Lord and say, Lord, can you forgive me again? And All right. Lord, I messed up again. And, you know, thank God for grace, and we all, we're thankful for that. But you know what? I, I'd like to go a few days without using His grace. <laughs> right? Come on. I, you know, I, His mercies are new every morning. I'd like to stack up a few. Wouldn't that be nice? You say, well, Pastor, I think you have to sin every day. Well, I, I think most of us probably do, but I don't think we have to. I think if I can, you say, well, how long can you go without sinning? I don't know. Can you go a minute? Well, I can go a minute. Can you go 10 minutes? I think I can make 10. Can you make an hour? Can you, yeah, I can make an hour. Well, add 24 of those together, and you're gone a whole day, right? And, and, and so, we, we, but we do that not through our flesh. We do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and people say, well, you know, this, this, this gift of the Holy Spirit, I, you know, I, I don't know about that. I'm a little confused, and, and this is not a sermon necessarily on that aspect. But here's, let me tell you this about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The book of Luke, the 11th chapter in the 13th verse says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I just challenge you. Just ask Him, Lord, I want to receive the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit because the Word of God says if we're evil and we'll give good gifts, how much more will our Heavenly Father, right, give to those of us who ask Him the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what's wonderful about when the Holy Spirit comes. When He comes into our lives, the Word of God lets us know that He brings abilities. He brings gifts into our life. How many of you like gifts? rest of you are weird. Come on, I like gifts. I like nice gifts. Anybody like nice gifts? I don't want Cracker Jack gifts. I mean, you know, when I was five, Cracker Jacks was great, but I'm way past five. All right? Here's your gift, Pastor. Come on, you got you to take it up a level. All right? The greatest gift is the gift of salvation, and after that is the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes and resides within our lives. But you know what? The reason that the Holy Spirit comes into our life is, is, is Jesus said there, so that we can be witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, God gives us gifts so that we can take those gifts and those abilities, and then we can develop them. See, a lot of people want, want gifts but then they don't want to use the gifts they've been given. God says, I'm going to give you some gifts, but then I want you to take those and I want you to develop them and use them for my glory. All right? So, so let's talk about uh, a little bit about receiving these gifts and, and how that they work and how that they operate in our lives and, and how that we can be bold in this and, and know that, Lord, your hand, your power is upon my life. It is directing my life. It is giving me insight in every area of my life. God, this day I am walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we're going to spend a few minutes there today. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. In other words, one person may get a gift of mercy, somebody else may get a gift of encouragement, somebody else may get a gift of tongues, somebody else may get a gift of working of miracles, but it is the same Spirit that's giving them. Number one is this, the Holy Spirit gives you the gifts. Come on, write it down. It, he, he gives you the gifts. Why, why? Why am I saying that? Because I want you to understand, you don't work to get them. You don't do something to make yourself worthy to receive them. God just chooses to give them to you. Now, that, that ought to help some of you because some of you have looked at people and you've said, man, you know, I saw them do this, or I saw God use them for this, or whatever. And you say, but man, you, if you knew their attitude, if you knew their stuff, you, you know, what we have to understand is this, is that gifts don't mean maturity. Just because somebody has a gift, well, uh, you know, and, and then we have this whole thing. People say, well, I would rather have the fruit of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit. Well, help me. Aren't they both of the Spirit? Don't we need both of them? Right? But what we have to understand is, is that God just gives gifts, but the fruit is developed. And so you may see somebody who's, who's greatly used of God. There's a great anointing upon their life, and yet you see some things about their life, and you go, wow, did you see that? Did you hear this? What about this? Well, it, it's just don't, don't ever let that throw you because God gave them a gift. And here's what the Bible says about that. The Bible says that the gifts and calling of God 
are without repentance. Here's what that means. That once God gives them to you, they're yours. He gives them. He doesn't take them back. He, he doesn't play that game. Okay, you got it today. You don't have it tomorrow. He gives it to you, and then it's up to you. Now, the Scripture says, let's get real biblical for a minute. The Scripture says people are going to stand before God on Judgment Day, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we cast out devils. We heal the sick. We even raise the dead. That's a pretty good one. Right? Come on, don't you think that kind of gets you up there? Am I the only one who thinks that way? I raise the dead. That's pretty good. I've done that on Sunday morning for years. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's just too good to pass up. Okay? And, and, and the Lord's going to look at them and say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In other words, you took a gift that I gave you, but you used it in an illegal way, and I don't have a relationship with you. Depart from me. So see, the gifts are given by God. It's not because I'm good. It's not because I've achieved anything. It's just the Holy Spirit gives those into my life. Number two uh, is this, is that there are different gifts for different assignments. All right? Whatever your assignment is in life, God's going to give you a gift that corresponds to that. 1 Corinthians 12, again, verse 11 and 12 says this, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. All right, I don't determine, He determines. Just as the body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Now, what we've got to understand is this, is that in my life and in your life, whatever is going on, whatever is happening, God says, look, I want you to understand, I'm giving this gift to this person, and I'm giving this person over here another gift, all right? But it doesn't mean, number one, that one gift is better than the other one. And number two, you have to understand, it doesn't mean because you didn't get somebody else's gift that your gift's not important to the kingdom. Amen? Every gift. In fact, let me say this to you. It does not matter what it is that God's called you to do. If you do it to the best of your ability, you will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant that's what we're looking for and that's what it's about this morning and, and so that gift different gifts different people different different aspects of their life but that gift is given to them thirdly is found in in first corinthians 12 7 and here's what that says now to each one of the each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good now watch this your gift the gift that you get is given to solve a problem you know what? I have found out that the, the, the problem you solve is very important in your life to what happens in your life. You say, what, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, let, let, me ask, let me ask you this. How many of you would like to make more money? I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait for the religious people to get saved. Well, I don't care anything about making money. Well, what, what's this? The level of problem you solve determines the level of money you make. Why do you pay a lawyer $150 an hour and you pay the person that checks out your groceries $7, $8 an hour? Man, he just got quiet in the house because I'm doing such good preaching. See, 
the gift that I'm given solves a problem. If I want to move forward with that, then I need to take that gift. Understand what I'm talking about? Because I, I dug down for a minute and you got a little nervous. I've been given that gift. Now, if I will develop that gift, then God can promote me. See, Jabez is saying, Lord, that you would enlarge my territory. Then God starts enlarging his territory, but he better have the power of God to take care of what it is that God gives him. You and I have got to come to that place of understanding that what God does in our lives, that the problem that's out there. See, we, we have a tendency to run from problems. Come on, how many times you ask God, God, get this problem out of my life. And I don't want to deal with this anymore. Could it be that God is allowing that problem in your life so that you can take the gift that he's given you, you can solve that problem so that now you can move to the next place? Let me, let me, let me say this to you and I'll, I'll move on. God does not grade on the curve. Were you ever in school and you did really bad one day on a test and the teacher comes in and says, man, you know, everybody kind of blew that test and I'm going to grade on a curve. And you went, thank you, Jesus. Because that meant, you know, you knew you blew it, but now at least you were going to get a D minus, not an F, all right? God doesn't do that. I, what I found out about God is, is that he will let us take the same test for 50 years if that's what it needs. You say, I don't believe that. Go ask the children of Israel, 430 years they took the same test. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. See, we've got to come to that place where we say, wait a minute. Let me figure out what it is that God's called me to do. And let me do that so that God can take me to the next place. The fourth thing is this. And I hope you'll, I hope you'll if you haven't written anything else down, I hope you'll write this down. Your significance is in your difference. Hear me, your significance is in your difference. You know, I grew up in the 70s in the, in the whole hippie movement, and, and I can remember going to school, and, and everybody was being an individual. Everybody, and here's, here's everybody, you walk down the school hall, everybody had a ratted out blue jeans, you know, that were tearing apart at the back, some, you know, some flag t-shirt, you know, some, and, and, but we were all being individuals. And there was nothing any more alike than during that day. I want to tell you, God takes us and he says, you know what? Your significance is not in how you are like somebody else. Your significance is in your difference. So study it. Peter is not like Paul. In fact, they don't like each other. Come on, you, you read the Bible every once in a while? I know you bring it to church to look holy, but do you read it? Right? I, I mean, you know, there, in fact, at one point, one point it says, Paul says, I withstood Peter to his face. In other words, I got in his business. But you know what? Paul's called to do one thing. Peter's called to do something else. All right? Their, their significance was not in that they were both apostles. Their significance was in their difference. What is it that God has created you? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says, Even so the body is not made up of one, but of many. It says, Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So, so let me say this and we'll move on. Quit trying to be like everybody else. Just be you. I, I can remember years ago when I first started preaching, I'd go hear somebody preach, and I'd come back and try to preach just like them. 
I'd get their sermon. Man, I could memorize it. I could write it word for word almost. But it felt like it went about right here. You know, I, I, I can do the, you know, the T.D. Jakes, you know, and, and, and you, know, get, you know, turn around and give three people a hand, you know. But, but I'm not T.D. Jakes. You know, I don't preach like him. I, I, I don't preach. You know, I, I listen to Charles Stanley so much for years uh, that I, you know, I go, listen, listen, listen. But I'm not Charles Stanley. You know, he's Charles. I'm Eddie. And, and, and my, my significance is in who I am, and your significance is in who you are. So God's given you that. Jabez's significance was not because he was like his brothers. It was because he was different. And the Word of God says God blessed him in his difference, not because of being like everybody else. The fifth and final thing today is, what you love to do is a clue to the gift God's given you. See, he, the, the Bible says this about the Lord. He, said, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the Lord calls you and, and there's a passion in your life to do something. And, and God says, okay, this is what I'm, I'm going to give you a gift to go alongside of that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we won't read it, you can write it down. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 29 talks about now you're part of the body and each one of you is a part of it and it goes through all of that. But what it's saying to us is this, is that what, what you love in life, talks about prophets and teachers and all, what you love to do is a sign or a hint of what God is gifting you to do. Uh, it, years ago when I entered into the ministry, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I didn't, you know, it, it didn't come naturally to me. It wasn't something uh, that, you know, I wasn't the guy who said, man, if I, I want to be a preacher, I bless God, I, I can't wait till the day I get to be a preacher. That was not, if you're that way, God bless you. I was not that way. I, I was going to, praise God, the day I don't have to be a preacher. That'll be the most, I, I mean, I, it just wasn't something that I desired. But when I knew, and I mean, I knew for years that God had called me, uh, when I entered into ministry, I, I felt God uh, begin to develop some things. And one of those is God gave me a gift of teaching. And, and I, I have learned, I've worked with that gift, but it was, it was God placing that into my life. And because of that, now I've been able to live out day in and day out. And I love to teach. I love to be able to help people uh, to, to move into everything that God has for their life so that they can receive every blessing that God has for them. And so that's, that's where God calls us to, and God calls us into his kingdom, okay? Now, let me share this with you as we kind of wrap things up today. Each week, I've talked to you about how do, we, how do I live this out. If I'm going to be a person who has the power of God in my life, how do I get there, and how do I live it out? Three things. I've given you three each week, I think. Uh, number one is this. Number one is meditate on Scripture. Get in the Word of God and find those scriptures that talks about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians, Romans, other places that talks about different gifts. Now, a lot of us who come maybe from a quote-unquote spirit-filled background, uh, we know of the power gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of miracles, gift of prophetic giftings, etc. But there's a whole lot more gifts. In fact, there are 20-plus gifts in Scripture. There's a gift of leadership. There's a gift of encouragement. Uh, there's a gift of exhortation. All of these are listed in Scripture, and what I need to do is is I need to begin to, to pray about it, meditate on it, and as I do, then God can begin to open up to me 
what I need to do in my life so that I can boldly go forward and see the power of God. So God wants you to succeed. God wants you to move forward, but it's up to you to do a few things to get to that place. Okay, number one, get in the Word and meditate on it. Number two, find a mentor. Find a mentor. Now, let me help us. A lot of us think we have mentors and all we have is running buddies. All right? Let, let me help you to, to understand what a mentor is. A mentor is somebody who's not impressed with you. Man, I did such and they just look at you and go, so? You should have done more. I mean, a, a mentor, listen, a mentor, uh, let me say this to you. Some of, I, I have people all the time say, Pastor, I want you to, be, I want you to mentor me, and, and, and I try to do that in, in, you know, in ways that I can. But, but I want to tell you, a mentor never pursues the mentee. I'll give it to you quick. I've got to be quick with this. Elijah walks by, throws his cloak, and keeps going. Elisha has to run after him. And Elijah looks at him and says, what have I got to do with you? Hey, if you'll hang on here and wait, I'm going to go kill a bunch of oxen. I'm going to offer them a sacrifice. I'm going to come follow you. Okay. But he didn't pursue him. All he did was give him a moment of time. Wow. Well, I need somebody in my life who's there to encourage me. That's not a mentor. Uh, again, I'm, boy, it's, it's woo. I'll just preach to the camera. It's needful for us to understand. We, again, we, we want buddies. We want friends. We, that's not what a mentor is. A mentor is somebody who pulls out the gold that's in you. Right? They reach deep inside, and it feels like sometimes they're ripping your guts out. But they pull it out of you to get you to the next place. And this third one goes along with this second one because you have to have and you have to cultivate a teachable spirit if you want God to take the gifts that he's given you and to use them for the kingdom of God so that you can see your territory enlarged and you can see the blessings of God on your life you have to maintain a teachable spirit guys I've been doing this for 33 years week in and week out I've stood before a congregation and preached Sometimes four and five times a week I've done this. And you know what? I still have to continue to be taught. I still have to have somebody who can speak into my life. I still have to maintain a teachable spirit if I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I don't have it together yet. I don't have it all figured out yet. I have to continue to say, Lord, let me have a teachable spirit. Now, here's what I believe, and I close. I believe God's called you not to be common, but to be uncommon. And here's what I know about uncommon people. Uncommon people are just common people who have recognized their uncommon gift. When you recognize what it is that God's called you to do, and you begin with everything within you, Lord, that your hand would be upon me. Let your power enable every gift that you've given me to go forward so that I can see my territory expanded. As you do that, all of a sudden, you begin to find yourself growing at leaps and bounds 
far beyond what you ever dreamed was possible. Let me say this and we're going to close today. I know with all of my heart that God's got great things inside of you. It's time that we begin to say, Lord, that your hand would be upon me. Let your power be upon my life so that the gifts that you have placed within me can begin to come forth so that I can achieve everything that you've called me to.